Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are um, starting a new series this morning and I'm really excited about that. Thanks, Ben. When you're ready, you can make your way off. I will get you back because I just think this is one of my favourite songs. And uh, I think in light of what I'll share this morning, it would just be a great opportunity to finish the service with it. But I was at the shops uh, this week, and I know that's no shop because I'm a woman and we're always at the shops. But I was in line uh, waiting to go through the checkout. And I don't know, I've got this gift of always picking the wrong line. So if I look, I survey the checkouts and think that one looks like they've got the least people lined up or the least stuff on the conveyor belt... You can guarantee whichever one I pick, it's always going to be the wrong one. It always takes longer and slower than everybody else. So I find myself in the line and there are two ladies in front of me having a conversation. Now, I wasn't eavesdropping. They were just talking loud. So I could hear what was going on. And hence why you've got to come to a conference, ladies, because you can talk loud all the time, but all the other women are talking loud, so nobody's listening to your conversations, all right? But um, I was in the line and these two ladies, so one of these ladies was obviously going through a situation that was less than desirable, wasn't quite what she imagined, wasn't quite what she was hoping for and she was having to make some decisions and I could see and sense that she was struggling uh, with some things and then out of the blue, her friend just shot out, well, anyway, what does it matter? God just wants you to be happy. And I'm standing behind and I'm just like, look at your trolley, look at your trolley, bite your tongue, don't say anything, don't say anything. Because you know what, it amazes me that in human nature, we often want to just offer um, advice and offer little pearls of wisdom and nuggets to try and make somebody feel better. If we could just say this, it would help them, it will ease a situation, ease a pain, it will make someone feel better. Irrelevant or not as to whether it's actually true. And so we'll often just say things because, hey, I feel like I've got to say this because it will just relieve the tension and it will just make someone feel better. The problem is we start to believe some of these myths and some of these things that aren't actually true. And you might say, well, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is, is when we build a life on an untruth, when situations and things happen to us, we wonder why it starts to crack and crumble and everything I've put my hope and faith and trust in is suddenly not um, relevant or not working for me because it's all been built and based on a lie. And things like, and there's so many things in Christendom and so many things that we say verbatim and off the cuff that actually God didn't say. You know, you've heard them, uh, people say, God helps those who help themselves. Or there's the thought of good people go to heaven. Or, as I heard this lady say, um, God wants you to be happy. And they're not actually things that God said. And the problem is, if we start believing them, we're going to get into trouble one day when we're uh, hit in the face with the reality of, but God didn't really say that. And so the, the premise of this series that we're starting this morning is to address some of those myths, some of those cultural beliefs that we've either spouted off or someone has spouted them off to us and we've received them and we start to believe them and we start to build a life on them. And we want to address them so that we can find ourselves having a healthy relationship with God, a healthy understanding, so that we do find ourselves in possibly situations that are less than desirable 
uh, the walls won't and the world won't start crumbling around us because we'd understand that actually, but God didn't say that. And this is what he has said. And so this morning, I want to start with the myth where it says that God won't give you more than you can handle. Because I want you to turn to the person next to you and go, what? <laughs> that was just so I could sniff, not in the microphone. <laughs> So God won't give you more than you can handle. I once uh, was reading a book and the pastor said in this in the book, he goes, chances are you're either about to go into a difficult season in your life or you're in the middle of a difficult season in your life or you're just now coming out of a difficult season in your life. And I know that that's really encouraging for us to know. But what I do know is that life can get complicated and it can get complicated really quickly, really fast. And when life gets complicated, I don't know about you, but I find that I often, it leads to feelings of being overwhelmed. It leads to feelings of uh, busyness, like I feel like I'm a mouse on a treadmill just running, getting nowhere. I can feel like um, things are just overwhelming, overtaking me, and I'm just generally struggling. Is there anyone else out there who can feel that way? And so it often doesn't even have to be negative things. There can be good things that can make us feel stressed, can make us feel overwhelmed, can make us feel like we're uh, drowning and we're out of our depth and we can't uh, catch our breath. I mean, perhaps you're planning a wedding and just the process and the concepts of doing that, or you're starting a new job, or you're, you're building a house, uh, you've got kids that you're trying to organise all their social activities and run around to their sports, or perhaps you're trying to throw a 13-year-old birthday party. <laughs> for me, I'm the girl who, when our kids were little, thank God for Macca's birthday parties. Because I was just like, you go to Macca's, you pay five bucks a head, they get a happy meal, they play on the playground, some of them puke in the garden because they've eaten that and they've been running around, and they go home to mum and dad and everybody's happy. That's my idea of throwing a kid's birthday party. But apparently, Macca's isn't sufficient for a 13-year-old to have a birthday party. And our 13-year-old daughter uh, wanted to have a Harry Potter birthday she has been planning this birthday party for 12 months. Now, Tony and I have never read a Harry Potter book or seen a Harry Potter film, and yet found ourselves as Harry Potter party hosts yesterday. And I can't tell you the stress I felt in the lead-up to this party. My mum is a seamstress. She made eight Harry Potter cloaks. And when, I, when Judge Bailey told me she'd ask Granny, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cute. When I saw these, they'd spent months and lots of my money making <laughs> these cloaks. So then I had this... I'd accidentally told Bailey that they could be the party gifts that they take home. When I saw them, I was like, I'm selling those suckers on eBay. <laughs> like, but you know, yesterday, we hosted a Harry Potter party... I, we had to do the Quidditch game. I don't know what Quidditch is. And when they said, where's the golden snitch? I said, I ate it. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> we had potion-making class. I turned, I made blue water to start with. Then we turned the blue water pink by adding something. And then we turned it back to blue. I know, I'm that good. Thank you, thank you, Google. And then we made this foamy thing. So we did all this, but I can't tell you the stress 
I had Beck searching things for me. Beck, got to find me this, got to do the stress. I'm a 13 year old. Don't tell me God won't give you more than you can handle. He gave me a 13 year old girl's Harry Potter birthday party. He gives you more than you can handle. <laughs> but in all jokes aside, sometimes there are the negative and the downside, the upsetting things. There's, I mean, there's the, the things like a change in life. Perhaps you've had a baby. And you're feeling overwhelmed because life isn't how it was before. There's all these things that you just never factored in. Perhaps it's the other spectrum. You're dealing with ageing parents and all these things you never experienced you would have to do and you're finding yourself busy, overwhelmed, stressed, worrying about that. It could even be a sickness, something going on. And you just say, you found yourself saying, God, the weight of this is crushing me. I don't know how much more of this I can handle. And it always never ceases to surprise me that in any season or situation where I found myself saying, God, I don't think I can handle much more of this, there's always one nice, kind, well-meaning but misguided Christian who comes alongside and says, Kath, remember, God won't give you more than you can handle. Anyway, one such Christian gets off the floor after I've snotted them in the face. <laughs> no, not really. I wouldn't, I wouldn't snot them in the face. But we do have to remember that God actually did not say he would not give us more than we can handle. In fact, that's a misquote of the scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where it says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church here about temptation. He's saying when you're tempted, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. He is not saying that you will never find yourself in a position where you can't face what it is, where you can't handle what it is that is facing you. He's saying, hey, you're not going to be tempted beyond what you can handle, but you will find yourselves in a position because of life and because of the way the world works where things are coming against you that you feel like you can't handle. And if you don't believe me, then believe the Bible because the Bible is full of stories of men and women who face way more than they thought they could handle. I mean, let's just take Gideon to start with. Gideon was a man that God said, hey, I want you to go into battle and fight the opposing army. And Gideon's response was, but God, I'm from the clan that's the least of the least. And he said, and in that clan, in that family, I'm the least of the least of the family. He said, I'm not sufficient enough. What you're asking me to do, I can't handle. Moses says, hey, you know what? Send somebody else to have the conversations. I can't speak. It's not me. Send someone else. He goes, I, I can't do this. I am overwhelmed. This is not me. Esther. Mordecai comes to her and says, hey, the Jews are going to be annihilated because of this edict that the king has put in place. But you, who knows that you've been in a royal position for such a time as this, you can speak to the king. And she says, oh, no, I can't do that, Uncle Mordecai. I'm too afraid. I can only go to the king if he summons me. She says, no, I can't do it. Don't tell me Esther didn't think that this request, this uh, job that she'd been given to do was far more than she could handle. And even Jesus, 
in the Garden of Gethsemane, you'll see it in Mark chapter 14, verse 34 says this, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Even Jesus said, hey, what I'm facing, I feel like I can't handle. And we don't even have to go past the apostles that are in Scripture where all of them were martyred for their faith. Let's even look today when many Christians are being killed for their faith in, in countries where they're fighting for their lives, just what they believe. Don't tell them, hey, you know what it's like. God won't give you more than you can handle. And I'm sure if I asked the question this morning, there'd be people in this room who would say, hey, I'm in a circumstance and a situation right now where I'm saying, I don't think I can continue this. I feel like I'm going to break. I feel like the weight of this is going to crush me. I feel like I can't continue. I can't handle this. And you might say to me, well, what's what's the big deal? Why make the distinction between, hey, God won't do that as to what he did say and what he didn't say? And it's a big distinction that we need to make for two reasons. Because if we believe the lie that God says, God won't give you more than you can handle, we're going to build our life on a wrong theology and a wrong foundation. So that when we find ourselves in a situation that, hey, I know I'm not supposed to feel this way because I've been believing for many years, I've been sprouting and it's been sprouted to me that God's not going to give me anything more than I can handle. And actually right now, while I'm in a situation of where God, I'm facing more than I can handle, it's not really happening because honestly, it didn't really, it it can't happen because you've said I've believed all this time that it can't be happening, it shouldn't be happening. But anyway, the reason is, why do we have to hit on the head? Twofold. One, I'm either going to remove myself from that situation because I've believed that God, God said I wouldn't be in that position. So if I'm in my marriage and my marriage is tough and I think, you know what, I just can't continue on this. I can't continue forgiving. I can't continue overlooking. I can't continue serving the needs of others. I can't continue... Ah, revelation. God said he won't put me in a position of which I can't face. I can't face this. My response then is, oh, I'm stepping out. Alternatively, if it's not that, the other option is then we have a skew view of God and we go, what kind of mean God would put me in a position of this that I can't handle and call himself a God of love or call himself a God of grace Or who says, I'm for you and nothing bad will happen to you. No, no, no. We have to smash the lie that God won't give you more than you can handle because we're all facing situations of where I'm facing more than I can handle. And I have two options right now. To remove myself out of it because I believe you haven't given it to me and it's not of you. Or to turn my attention and blame you, God, and think this reason and this situation and what is happening to me is because of who you are intrinsically. And both are wrong. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is if God won't give us more than if we... If, <laughs> if the lie is God won't give you more than you can handle, we've got to ask ourselves, why would God allow us to be in situations that feel more than we can handle? Because again, if I asked you to raise your hands, there'd be many in this room who says, that's me right now. 
I've either come out of that, I'm in it right now, or I'm heading into a situation. And so I just want to quickly share this morning three reasons I believe God allows us to face more than we can handle. And the first one is simply this, so that we would depend on his presence. God allows you and I to face more than we think we can because we'll call out to him. We'll rely and depend on him. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but most of us know when things are good, we get slack. Just look at the Israelites in the Bible. It's a pattern of when things are really tough, things are really dire, they're oppressed, they're feeling like they can't handle things. They're always crying out to God. Where are you, God? Listening to God, following, doing what he says. And yet because they do that, things start to improve, life starts to get better. And guess what? They start to leave God on the shelf. I'm not saying that we walk away from God. I'm just saying we sometimes take God out of the centre which is kind of what Tony was sharing about around the offering, Lord of life, and just going, you know what, we're just going to put you on the shelf because things are good. We're good now, God. And then a lot of the times when things get bad, it's when things get bad and circumstances start to shake and the world around us and things we're trusting in start to wobble that we start to go, oh, oh, God, where are you? Oh, God, where are you? I'm amazed that I... um, I mentioned before, being a Christian, being a first-generation Christian, being a pastor, that many of my friends and families who don't know Jesus know that that's what I do. And so we'll have conversations in there, you know, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. But I can't tell you the number of times I said, no, 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 that Christian thing's not for me until something goes down, something goes wrong. And do you know whose door they knock on and whose phone they ring? It's mine. Because there's something inherent in all of us that God has placed there a God-shaped hole that we try and stuff and fill with everything else, but it can only be filled with the presence of God. And even if we're here this morning and we don't know Jesus, when life gets a bit rough and we're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, we're feeling like life is busy and it's on top of me and I just can't face anymore, there's a natural tendency that rises up that we go, hey, is there a God? And so I've had family and friends, when things go tough, they don't want to know Jesus, but they'll say, hey, you know, when you're at church, maybe you could pray for me. I'm like, I'd love to, but I'd love to do more than that for you. But what they're saying is, hey, I, I don't, you know, things aren't great here, and so I'll give anything a go. And we have to understand that sometimes as Christians, we face stuff because we've just been doing life with God on the sidelines and not God in the centre. And I always think of the story of Jonah in the Bible when God says to him, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And go and share about what I've done for you, what I want to do in their lives. And you know what Jonah's answer was to God? It's the same answer you and I give him all the time. No. He's like, he said, God's waiting for a yes. And he's like, no, 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 Nineveh, no. In fact, so much to the point where he goes in the totally opposite direction. He's not going to where Nineveh is. He's going anywhere but. And so what God has to do is bring a storm and a situation where his world is rocked. The sailors in the uh, boat are saying, hang on, this is something's going on here. And Jonah fesses up and says, hey, it's because I'm running away from my God that you're suffering. You need to throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard. The storm subsides. God then sends a whale to swallow Jonah. And it's when Jonah is at the end of himself, when he has nothing else he can rely on, the scripture says that he calls out 
to God. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 7, it says this, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. Why will God let us face situations and circumstances that we feel we can't handle? Because he wants us to depend on his presence. I've shared before about our year 2016. For us as a family, the year 2016 had many health challenges, specifically for my husband, Tony. And he found himself in hospital fighting for his life for three weeks and then another six-week journey where he was out of the pulpit so much here at church. And and then it went on to further uh, dealings that had to be done, operations and, and so forth. But for me, I've always been a reluctant leader. I understand that there's a gift of leadership on my life, but I'm not one of those who's always to the front and, and saying, yeah, yeah, pick me. I'm, I'm a reluctant leader. So I'm a girl, you ask me, I'll do it, but you probably won't get me to volunteer. And so here I am in 2016, finding myself having to come out of the shadows of being asked to do something to being forefront of having to make decisions, not only decisions that affected me, but decisions that affected my husband, that affected our family. I was having to make medical decisions on his behalf, knowing and understanding the ramifications of the right yes or the right no. I had to walk into uh, rooms of medical professionals and dissect what they were saying to me and make the best decision for Tony the best decision for us, the best decision for our family. So not only doing that in the medical area and in terms of Tony's health, then I'm still a mum. So I'm still navigating three kids at home where we're not sure what's happening with dad and and where this is going to end and trying to give them as much or as little information needed so that they would feel secure. And then to come into work, and while we've got a great uh, work team, The problem was that all the questions and all the documents and everything that landed on Tony's desk was now landing on my desk. And so I'm finding myself having to make decisions and having to make calls and having to do things that were totally contrary to my personality, totally contrary to what I'd ever done in the past. So don't tell me God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I'm sorry if this is going to make you think less of me, but there were plenty of times where I would find myself at home on my knees saying, God, I can't do this. I don't know what you think I am or who you think I am, but this, this is not me. And this is when this scripture lives because this is when you go, you know what, God, I'm like, you said you wouldn't give me more than I can handle. And right now I'm not handling this. And this is how God speaks to me. He says, I never said that. And this is how I speak to God. Yes, you did. And he says, no, I didn't. And I say, yes, you did. And then I can see a picture of, I sound like I'm talking to my four-year-old. Yes, you did. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. And eventually you've got to say, okay, then God, what did you say? And he said to me, no, I will be with you. He said, no, I didn't say you could, I'm going to give you more than you can handle. He says, I I'm going to put you in a position so that you will call out to me. When you can't call out to Tony, when you can't call out to others, when you can't call out to other band-aids and other things that potentially you've used in the past that have kept you there, he says, I've got you in a position of where I can't handle this anymore. I don't want too much more of this. He says, right, 
Now you call out to my presence. I need you to depend on my presence, not on this. And I want to remind someone here this morning that never let the presence of a storm challenge you or make you forget that there is a presence of God with you. Never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of your God. Psalm 145 verse 18 says this, The Lord is near to all who call on him. Can I remind you, church, do what I did on your knees, on your bed, in the corner, in the car, wherever it is. If you're facing a situation that you can't handle, call out to him. Just as Jonah did, in my distress, God, I need you. This feels like it's going to take my life. This feels like it's going to cripple me. This feels like, while I may understand you didn't give it to me, you've allowed me to face it because you want me to depend on your presence. The second thing, if we're talking about why would God allow us to face things that are beyond what we feel we have capacity for, not only so we would depend on his presence, but so that we would experience his power. You see, when you and I believe the lie that God won't put us in a situation that we can't handle, we start to just operate only in our own strength. So we approach everything in our own strength. So if we're finding ourselves like, hey, I'm feeling like I'm not quite handling this, do you know what we do? We just try harder because we've believed the lie that, well, it can't be God and he wouldn't put me in this situation. So I've just got to try harder, strive harder, do harder. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I need you to be at the end of you so that you can experience my power. We've all got gifts and talents. We've all got strength. And the problem is most of us, myself included, do our Christian life in the boundaries of our own comfort zone and our own capabilities. And so when you do that, then there's no need of God's power in your life. There's no gap for him to step into. And if you won't create the gap yourself, see, to me, that's what tithing is about. Yes, it's honouring God, but I'm creating a gap in my finance. I'm creating a gap so God can come and his power can be seen in that situation. So if I can do it in my finance, I need to do it in my world. Okay, I'm pretty good at this level, but that's a bit of a step for me. So why don't I step into that? Because when I step into what I don't have, I'm opening myself up to experience the power of God to come into that. But the thing is, we're not naturally wired to do that. No, no, no. I'm just quite happy, the control freak I am, just to make sure I've got it all in control. And as long as I'm in control, we're good. So when we won't naturally do that, guess what happens? God allows us to find ourselves in situations where we feel like we can't handle this because he will create the gap for us. If you don't create the gap, God will create circumstances and situation for there to be a gap within your situation. And again, I just think of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he's talking about the thorn in his flesh. When he says, there's this thorn in my flesh and you would have heard it said, we don't know if it's relational, we don't know if it's a health issue. What I do know is when you read the context, he says he calls it a messenger of Satan. So it's not a nice thing, whatever it is. If it's a messy heat, what is literally paraphrased Kath Rainbow version saying, whatever this is, it's from straight from the pit of hell. And I don't know about you, but there's been situations and circumstances. 2016 for me, 
I just went, whatever this is, it feels like it's straight from the pit of hell. Because I'm finding myself in a situation I didn't plan for, I didn't ask, I don't necessarily like or want, but hey, suck it up, princess, and what are you going to do about it? And so this is what happens. So Paul is saying, and I would have thought, if you read Paul's life and what he's done, I would have thought that anybody could have copped a break from God, it would have been Paul. It's like, I mean, he's been shipwrecked, he's been stoned, all these things that have happened to him. He's got this one little thorn and he says, Lord, he said, I pleaded three times, God, will you take it away from me? You would think a loving God would say, sure, sure, Paul, just flick, there it is, it's gone. But if he didn't, there's a purpose in that. And it's the same purpose for you and I. This is God's answer to Paul when he's begging, please take me out of this situation and circumstance. He says in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's answer to you and I when we find ourselves in, why can't I face, why is this more than I feel I can handle? He's saying, my power is made perfect in weakness. And when you're strong, it's when things are, you're not experiencing my power. It's when you're weak that my power comes. And you might be facing something this morning and possibly what God is trying to say to you is, I want you to experience my power. It's kind of like the difference between rowing and sailing. You know, when you row, you sit in a boat, you have two oars and you're using your strength to get momentum and movement. And here I am doing my Christian walk. And yes, I've got it all under control and I'm in control. One, two, three, got it. But God is saying, actually, I want you to drop the oar and hoist the sail. Because when you hoist the sail, we still get movement, but it's not movement based on me. It's movement based on the Spirit of God filling the sail and moving you forward. Why would you find yourself in a position that's far too much for you to handle? Perhaps God wants you to experience His power. Drop your oars and hoist your sails. And thirdly, I'm going to ask the rest of the band to come on up. What can we learn when we feel that I'm in a situation that, God, I don't know if I can handle this. I think the third thing God wants us to know is that so we would grow. Not only would we be dependent on his presence, not only would we experience his power, but at the end of the day, he wants us to grow. And all of us who go to the gym and do things know and understand that you have to put a muscle under tension for it to grow. You know, we complain about the weights that we're lifting, but it's in the lifting of the weights that our muscles get the tension, they get the weight bearing that helps them grow. And God will let you face things that you feel are beyond you because he loves you. Because he doesn't want you to stay exactly where you are. He wants to bring you into the new. He wants to bring you into everything that he has for you. And I look back at 2016 and I think, you know what? All that leadership gift, all that wisdom, all that discernment, all that I used and exercised that I didn't pre that incident, it was always there. But it took 2016 and the incidents and the things that happened to bring that to fruition. And I think I can stand here today and say, I'm not the same as I was pre-2016. I'm different. 
I've grown. I'm not that same girl. Now, I've not arrived and there's so much more. I'd like to think in 2020, I can look back at 2019 and say, I'm not the girl of 2019. I'm different. I've grown. So why would God place us in a situation and allow us to face things that we can't handle? Because he wants us to grow. His scripture is, he wants us, we've got to be more and more like Jesus. He wants us to grow and most of us aren't going to grow left to our own devices. So next time you're in a storm, next time you find yourself saying, God, I don't know if I can continue on. God, what is the purpose behind all this? God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed. I am dying under the weight of this. What is going on? Remind yourself this. Maybe, maybe God is trying to get your attention because he wants you to depend on his presence in the facing of what's going on, not desirable. He wants you to depend on his presence. He wants you to experience his power and potentially he wants you to grow. So today, what I'm going to ask you to do is if you would stand with me, church, I want to encourage you to do what Jonah did. Draw near to God. Call on him. Stop relying on your strength. I feel God saying, drop the oars and hoist the sail. Drop the oars and hoist the sail. Movement comes, but not through self-movement, me trying, but by God understanding your presence and your power. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 